My name is Stacy Jacobs, and I'm the Sexual Health Education Manager at the Shore Center, and Shore stands for Sexual Health Options, Resources, and Education. Um, I have been here for, it will be 10 years in March, so pretty excited about that. Um, but I was actually there here for uh, three years before that, so I was a volunteer before I was a paid staff member. I've learned a lot over the years. We've had a lot of students come and go, volunteers, staff members, and I find I always learn from everybody who comes in and out. I love sitting around and chatting about people's opinions mm-hmm. um, and being open to those opinions as well. So I think that's part of how you become sex positive is listening to other people, um, listening to their experiences, their ideas, and asking them questions and kind of having like brainstorming kind of session so we do that a lot when we have what I call our education team meetings so um, I just like to hear what's going on and as I age I like to hear from younger students and younger people about what's what they're thinking about and what's going on today for them because I did graduate from university quite a few years ago I won't say whatever (laughs) I'm 40 (laughs) so it was a long time ago Um, so trying to keep connected with what youth are doing And now um, we have youth educators working with us here, which is amazing, but what that means is I don't work with youth uh, nearly as much as I used to, so I want to make sure that I kind of stay in the loop, figure out um, what's going on so that I don't completely become one of those adults who don't know what youth are thinking or doing, Mm -hmm. especially sex-wise. Right. Um, Because I am also, one of my um, jobs here is to create resources, so if I'm creating resources for youth, I need to know what's going to be beneficial. like not um, having to filter myself because I think these topics are important but a lot of people are uncomfortable listening or hearing about sexual health. That was Stacy Jacobs of the Shore Center, also the writer of the Community Editions column Sexplanations. You're listening to TCE Radio. Hello, welcome to the middle of February. Let's start episode four with a little throwback Thursday. This time last year, I, along with a few others, wrote about the types of love as defined by the ancient Greeks. I tackled the lesser known cat love, and in celebration of Valentine's Day, I'm going to read an excerpt because I have a podcast and I can do self-serving things like that. In the modern world, cat love describes the beautiful experience of sitting on one's couch, watching Netflix while a precious angel sleeps on your keyboard, blocking the screen, and hitting mute every time they roll over. True, cat love can feel one-sided. Your feline friend outwardly wants nothing to do with you unless it's on their terms, and offers no emotional support unless they're looking for food. This is what makes cat love the most treasured form of all. We spend our lives taking care of these darling creatures, letting them sleep on our pillows, drink out of our water glasses, and barf wherever they want. And we still love them. Now on to the episode. Oh, 
audio from a demonstration at Kitchener City Hall back in December. Locals gathered to raise awareness about the current genocide happening in Burma, also known as Myanmar. Read the full story on the violence and its impact on Burmese people living in KW on our website, communityedition.ca, where you can search Local Community Resists Genocide Abroad. You can also find it in our January issue if you still have one kicking around. The story was written by our editor-in-chief, Jesse Bauman. Some of my language wasn't as inclusive as I would have liked it to be, I think. And if I look back on that now, I sometimes cringe when I read something and go, oh, I shouldn't have written it that way. But you learn. So I'm always learning more about inclusive language, about, and um, terms change too. So which terms you use at that point in time. So yeah, going back, there's definitely some things that I would change. Maybe not the topic or the ideas, but definitely some of the language. Um, so we're really careful at the Shore Center now to um, be inclusive of everybody in any of the resources that we have. So um, instead of saying like a woman is pregnant, saying a person who is pregnant um, to be really trans inclusive right. as well. So I do try to make sure that that's how I'm writing and it sometimes people get a little confused so like when I say something about like penis and vagina sex instead of like you know a man and a woman having sex those sorts of sorts right. of things but I find like the more practice you have the more you can write like that without it sounding strange in any way um, so I've written rewritten all of our resources to have language like that and I think it flows perfectly I don't think and you're going to picture in your head whatever you picture anyway, so you probably don't even notice the language is like that. But right. um, if you're used to being excluded and then you're included in that language, then I think that's when, when you'll notice a lot. to quite a bit that you come across someone who doesn't share your views mm -hmm. how do you deal with that um, I change my language when I talk at different places so depending where I am or who I'm talking to um, and I think it's okay if someone doesn't have my views what I don't appreciate is someone telling me what I should be thinking or I should be talking about um, and I try really hard not to speak that way or treat people like that so I just appreciate it when people um, leave it open where everyone can have their own opinion. So even if someone was, for instance, um, pro-life, um, if I can have a conversation with you about why that is and your views, I think that's great and I think we can both learn from that, but it just upsets me when someone tries to tell everybody else what they should and should not do and should and should not think. Um, I like to think of myself as pro-choice in all aspects of my life, so I'm choosing to do different things every day. So not just around pregnancy, not just around reproductive health or birth control, but around every choice that I make. Um, I was talking with somebody this morning, so I do hot yoga, absolutely love hot yoga. And when I tell people I do hot yoga, I, you get a lot of people telling you that it's not healthy, it's not safe, and you should be doing regular yoga. Mm -hmm. 
and that pisses me off. <laughs> um, it's my body, so I'm listening to what my body says, and my body's saying, hey, this feels good, and I'm exercising. <laughs> it's the only exercise I do, and I enjoy it, and I think mentally it's good for me as well. So I just don't understand why they care if I do hot yoga. I'm not telling them they have to come do hot yoga. Right. So that's the way I try to think about everything, you know. So it doesn't matter. You know, I don't look at someone's haircut and be like, oh, I don't like their haircut. Because it's not your hair. It doesn't matter to you. You know, unless something directly affects you, then I think it's good just to think of life in that way in general, personally. So, mm -hmm. And I think it's really ignorant of people to think that they know better than somebody else. So I always think, you know, like, I know somebody, you know, this much. How do I say this much in words? It's like the tip of the iceberg kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know everything about you, so why should I be telling you you have to do this? Right. So if we talk to someone, for instance, about birth control, we um, give them all of their options that are available, give them the pros, the cons, how much they cost, how effective they are, and then that person gets to decide which one of these would work best for me. Um, I would never tell you, oh, you should use this kind of birth control because that'll work for you. Because mm -hmm. I don't know that. Um, so I'm really, I try to be really careful in not telling anybody what they should or should not do, but just giving them information and letting them go from there and decide what's best for them. That's awesome. Yeah, I think that's important. Yeah. All right. Um, so how did you get into sex education? I started out, I was a Laurier student. I did a double major in psychology and sociology, and I found I was really gravitating towards any class that talked about sex. <laughs> so um, it was usually just, you know, one week or one chapter, but I looked forward to those, those weeks and those chapters, and I found, like, I was just, you know, reading early, reading ahead, and I was really excited about that. And then I found out that the University of Waterloo has a program in sexuality. So they have a program called Sexuality, Marriage, and Family Studies, um, which I later went and did, which I probably would have started in if I had known it existed. It's actually through St. Jerome's, the Catholic College at the University of Waterloo, which is a little strange and I think yeah. a little off-putting to a lot of people. Um, but it's a really open, sex-positive program. So after I finished at Laurier, I went and did the postgraduate diploma in sexuality um, at Waterloo. And I absolutely loved it. The program is great. The professors are great. Everybody's really open. There's lots of opportunity to hear other people's opinions and have discussions and learn more and kind of broaden uh, the way that you think about sexuality. So I really, really enjoyed that. And in later years, then, I've actually taught some classes in that program awesome. as well. I absolutely love teaching university students because... I was so used to teaching youth in grade school and high school where you have to filter your language and be careful that you're staying within the curriculum and wondering, you know, what parents are going to think about what you're saying. But when you're at university, you don't have to filter any of those things. So I really, really enjoy um, doing that. So that's how I got that degree. And then I um, found out that at the University of Guelph, they don't have a sexuality program, but they have um, a few professors who are sex researchers where you can take programs and work sexuality into your into your master's degree. So that's what I did. It was the Family Relations and Human Development uh, Master of Science. And I just made sure that every assignment I did, um, I worked sexuality into it. So I found that really different as well because I was kind of teaching myself along the way. And then I ended up teaching some of the profs and other students because they weren't there to do that topic specifically. Right. So it was really interesting. And then, yeah, I started, I volunteered at what's now called Monica Place 
it was St. Monica House prior um, with the pregnant teenagers because I, when I was younger I realized that I was judging teen moms but then I put myself in check and said you've no right to judge these people that could have been you um, so I decided to actually volunteer um, at Monica Place so I worked with the young moms and I also um, worked in the daycare so I would watch their babies while they finished um, class so they actually have a school there where you can get your high school diploma oh, really? um, at Monica Place instead of going to regular high school if you want to so they have Waterloo Region District School Board teachers working working as staff members there oh I had no idea yeah so I thought that was important I thought that was really great so I was helping them finish school basically so um, I was doing things like that, and then I started volunteering at Planned Parenthood. So Shore Center is formerly Planned Parenthood Waterloo Region, and I absolutely loved it. So I was doing some of the counseling, one-on-one -on -one, talking to people, specifically about abortion usually, and I was also doing the education piece. And so I did that for about three years, and then a job opened up. So I did that. So I was finishing my master's. Actually, I had about four jobs, and then I started this job full-time. So it was the busiest six months of my entire <laughs> life, and I was finishing my thesis for my master's oh my degree. Gosh. And, yeah, I can still remember sitting in the office till, like, 1 or 2 in the morning writing my thesis after, like, you know, we locked the doors for the night. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was awful. But I was a lot younger. I could never do that now. <laughs> but, you know, I got a lot done in that short period of time, and I'm glad. Mm -hmm. I'm glad that I did it. Um, and then, yeah, I've just, I've just stayed because I absolutely adore sex education. I think it's so, so important. And I think it's something that every single person will use for their entire life. Mm -hmm. So whether or not you're sexual or not, or not, you still need to understand how your body works. I think it's great um, to understand those things younger at a younger age as well. So think about everything that you maybe have been stressed out in your life about your body because you just didn't understand how it worked. Um, we talk to a lot of young girls who don't understand how menstruation works or what it actually is. I've talked to too many girls over the years that thought they were dying or they had cancer because they had their period and they didn't know what a period actually was. So all they know is they're bleeding from down there, but they don't know why. Right. So that, like, how scary that would be yeah. for somebody. So I just think it's so important for people to understand these things. I talk to even older women, so women in their 50s, 60s, 70s, um, who, for instance, don't know that they urinate from the urethra opening, they think they urinate from their vagina because no one's ever told them, no one's ever showed them, they've never looked at their own body. So I think learning those types of things is really, really important. And usually I go home happy at the end of my day feeling like I've done something for somebody. I don't know how many people can say that. Yeah, for sure. So I think I'm making a difference every day. Even if I'm just in the office, um, I know that I'm preparing to do things that are going to help help somebody. Um, Shore Center is a nonprofit organization. Like You don't do this work because you want to make money yeah. by any means, but you do this work because you care. Do you like what you've heard so far? Do you hate what you've heard so far? Let us know what you think about this and our other episodes by tweeting us at the community ed. Now back to Stacy. Like I grew up, I went to Catholic school, grade school and high school, and sex education was pretty much non-existent. I remember grade ten religion class. So it was in religion class that we were supposed to learn sex ed as well. Um, 
I think the teacher was uncomfortable with the subject and for one whole class we colored a title page for the topic of sexuality because oh, wow. I remember I colored little sperms and had them swimming like all <laughs> over my page and that's all I remember so I don't know if it got much past there but I, w- I know I was still curious and interested and I would ask my friends and that's the thing so young people are curious they are interested and now with social media, they are seeing stuff that maybe they don't understand or maybe they do or they're seeing things that um, they shouldn't be seeing. Right. So we need to, to talk to them about these things because, you know, even if your kid doesn't have a cell phone or your kid doesn't have data on their cell phone, their friend does. Right. So everyone's just looking. And, I mean, what happens when you type, you know, sex into the search bar or into Google it could be terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> I could scar you for the rest of your life. I, I was looking. So this, okay, I was looking for pictures for an adult presentation. And I wanted um, the pictures to be non-able-bodied people, non-white people, non-straight people, um, all these criteria. It took me days to find these things. Because the internet still, I didn't realize like how much it's still like very white and able-bodied and all of these things um but I was looking for pictures of sex I was looking for pictures of um like actual vulvas penises all those things um because we were doing a conference for people with developmental disabilities or adults with developmental disabilities and a lot of times they're very visual so I wanted actual pictures to show them because describing something may not make sense Mm -hmm. and yeah, the things I saw, like, I was actually at one point being like, I cannot even believe the amount of crap and the amount of stuff I had to search through, and I'm used to looking at pictures about, like, sexuality and things, but it was, it was not fun. Yeah, <laughs> it sounds pretty yeah. dark. <laughs> but by the end of the day, I'm like, yeah, I felt like I was looking at porn all day at work, and that's funny that I can kind of actually <laughs> <Yeah>. do that. <laughs> positive person can you remember from you know your childhood until now if there was a moment where it clicked and you were comfortable or Hmm. it was a long build yeah there's never a moment my my parents are catholic but they are they're fairly open around most things um for instance you know like they were okay with that us seeing them naked like we'd all bask together do this and do that so there was nothing no i never felt shameful around like my naked body or anything like that course until I became a teenager right everybody feels that. Um, and I knew I could ask them some questions they didn't really ever talk too much about it but um, they didn't shy away from it um, I remember too you're probably too young to know this but have you ever heard of the movie Porky's no so it's a really old movie um, there's a lot of nudity and inappropriate things in it and my parents had it taped off TV, so they had, you know, when you used to tape off with the VCRs yeah. and tape with whatever, so um, my brothers and I found this tape called Porky, so of course we had to watch it, and yeah. then we ended up watching it, like, over and over and over, so I still learn, like, from the media or from television mm-hmm. a lot about sexuality, but my parents didn't filter too much what we watched, but 
because of my age, there wasn't that many things on television that weren't appropriate for kids, especially not before nine o'clock. Right. Um, but then I do know that I always enjoy talking to my friends about those sorts of things. I always thought that masturbation was fine. No one ever told me that that wasn't okay. No one ever told me it was okay, but I was never taught that it wasn't. Um, I did, I remember, I wanted to read Sweet Valley High when I was in grade school. And my mom told me I had to wait until I was in high school, but I got some copies anyway. So I was reading, I was always interested in knowing more about relationships and dating and how all of that, how all of that worked. Um, and I do remember too, I remember in grade school, we had to do a project on like a social issue and I picked HIV. Cool. So, and I don't ever remember why? And I remember too in grade um, grade thirteen because I had grade thirteen. Um, I was in an English writing class, and the books I was looking at. So my topic was the sexualization of vampires. Wow. <laughs> and so yeah, these things just naturally yeah came to me. So I was reading all the Anne Rice interview with the vampire series, and the teacher thought that was cool. Like they didn't stop me. So I think I've always been curious and just drawn yeah. to things around sexuality. So I don't feel like there was ever a moment when I went, oh, yeah, you know, this is something I want to do. It was just a buildup mm -hmm. over the years. And then I think I've become more and more sex positive over the years as well, just and making a really big conscious effort to do so. All right, um, was there any columns that you've written or like one subject that you've addressed that you really think that's what everybody needs to know about or this was the most important mm -hmm. thing I've talked about? I think there's two topics I come back to on a regular basis. One is abortion and one is parents talking to their children. So those are two um, things that I think are really important topics. So one of my passions right now is uh, working with parents especially parents with younger children, mm -hmm. because I think if parents could be comfortable and parents had the knowledge, they could share with their kids because parents obviously see their children more than anybody else does usually. So if they can let their children know that this is an okay topic to talk about, then then kids can ask their, their parents these questions, parents can help them get the knowledge. And if everybody's more comfortable with their bodies and with sexuality, then I think it's beneficial for everybody in general. Mm -hmm. um, and then I think because abortion is such a stigmatized topic, people know very little about it. So unless you've ever had to get an abortion or you've helped a close friend, then you really don't know anything about it. So what we get, we had a lot of phone calls here, emails um, from people because they don't even know if abortion services are available in Kitchener-Waterloo or Cambridge because they've never had to look for that and there's no information about it. So uh, Grand River Hospital, the Freeport site, does provide abortions, but that's not advertised anywhere. Right. So it's really hard to actually find that information and it bothers me that it's a big secret. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think secrets like that are healthy. It just causes more stress on people. So we have a lot of people who come into the office who want to get an abortion they have no one to talk to, no one to tell. And I think even if you think there's certain people in your life that you could talk to about it, a lot of times you're not 100% certain what someone's opinion is going to be because it's never come up. Right. So you don't know if your friend 
thinks abortions are okay or not. And then if you tell somebody and they don't agree with it, then what's gonna happen? And with young people, I mean, they'll probably share that information with other people and then, you know, you're gonna be that person at school who had the abortion and that's not okay. Right. So I think it's really important that people understand, you know, they have the knowledge around abortion and they, they make it known that it's okay. So like getting rid of the stigma around it. I think there's a lot of stigma around abortion um, sexually transmitted infections, people never talk about those, so we know statistically like tons of people have them or have had them, but again, no one talks about that, um, and masturbation as well. So those are three topics I think that are really, really stigmatized, unfortunately, and then it makes it hard for people to talk about them. some inaccurate information and even though it's in the United States it was still inaccurate just in general so I always like to clarify and make sure that people are aware mm -hmm. um, that there are abortion services and in Canada it's there's no laws around abortion it's regulated by the Canadian Medical Association um, and we're the only country that does it that way and I think it's great that we we do that I think it's appropriate that the Medical Association um, decides the rules and regulations around abortion because it is a medical procedure. And I think we forget that. it's a, um, The World Health Organization says it's like an essential medical um, procedure and something that should be accessible to everybody. Um, and it would increase the health of everybody worldwide if that was, that was the case. That's it for episode four of TCE Radio. As always, send us a tweet or email info at communityedition.ca and let us know what you thought of this episode. I'm your host, Megan Norse, and behind the scenes is producer Alistair McClellan. We're going to close out this episode the same way we did the last one with a track from Sam Nabby. Run hard with the headstrong start It's a cruel world, miracles are few and far between Go guard your heart and heart It's a fool's world, keep a short leash on hopes and dreams Keep a short leash on those hopes and dreams All you know is I got mad skills So inflammatory like you ran out of Advil You're rusty like a bad drill Glass only half filled My cup is overflowing like an oil spill Natural disaster on the mic I'm a hundred year phenomenon Master of the fight, I'm a modern day Obi-Wan smashing crates like Donkey Kong Passionate and headstrong Pacifist in real life, but I'm violent a Gemini means I've got a double personality My friends and I are more than a posse, we're a family Poses wanna channel me, poses with your flannel jeans Don't you try to step to me, I'll decimate you handily I don't need utopia, I'm comfortable with anarchy You think you can show me up, guess we'll have to wait and see I'm your final fantasy, can't nobody handle me Look at all these trophies scattered on my mantelpiece I'm not with a headstrong start It's a cruel world, miracles are few and far between. Go guard your heart and heart It's a fool's world Keep a short leash on hopes and dreams Keep a short leash on those hopes and dreams Keep a short leash on those hopes and dreams
keep us surely some those hopes and dreams. I cut my teeth in the folk singer circuit. Won the Whitby Idol competition with my first hit. Celebrity, I earned it. Yeah, I got a firm grip. Shake my hand, look me in the eye. You know I'm worth it. What you say we go down to the docks and get to business? You got beef with people, then you're sleeping with the fishes. My ego is my mistress. Break it and I'm vicious. Probably cause my mother never showered me with kisses. Damn. I need to see a therapist Lost my moral compass and I can't find where it is I don't care for this, maybe I'm a terrorist Better lock me up like I'm a nobleman in Paris I'd like to see you try to put me in a cell Throw the key away, only feed me water from a tainted well Bring me out for show and tell, go condemn my soul to hell I won't move an inch in the face of this fear you're trying to sell I won't even try to force my way out of imprisonment I'll keep rhapsodized until the walls start caving in this temporary I'll keep rapping even if you fill my mouth with cinnamon. One heart with a headstrong start. It's a cruel world. Miracles are few and far between. Go guard your heart and part. It's a fool's world. Keep a short leash on hopes and dreams. Keep a short leash on those hopes and dreams.